Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 193, Cheerful Giver. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. This week we are still in the epistles of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 through 13. I am going to be focusing in on 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. In those verses, Paul kind of talks to us about karma. I mean, not really, but kind of the concept of it. He says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now here, historically, Paul is primarily talking about the saints in Corinth giving money for a a gift he wants to give to the suffering saints in Jerusalem. But although giving money is a great needed thing in this world, there are so many ways that we can apply what Paul is talking about here in being a cheerful giver. Now, of course, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there are many ways that we choose to give of our time our money, our resources, our energy, our emotional capacity, all the things. There's so many different ways that we have the opportunity to be a cheerful giver. And I think that's one of the great things about this church, about our Lord's church, is that he knows that we need the opportunity to be givers. And what he hopes from us is that we will be cheerful givers as he gives us those opportunities in his church. And don't you think that he knows that we need to learn how to be cheerful givers as we learn to be like him? That's what he was after all, right? He was a cheerful giver. So what does it mean to be a cheerful giver? When I think about myself being a cheerful giver, when I'm being my best self, the phrase that comes to mind is a happy lack of expectation, a lack of expectation of recognition a lack of expectation of payment of any kind, a lack of expectation of praise. We could keep going of different ways that you could have expectations for some sort of reward. I think that all of these things like praise and recognition are inherently a bad thing, but the expectation of those things or the requirement of those things, or when those things take precedent over just the giving itself and the inherent value that that brings to our Lord, It brings a subsequent dissatisfaction with the experience that comes from that kind of expectation that can taint that experience for the giver and the receiver. I also think that the principle described in Matthew chapter 6 verse 2 applies in some way, although what he is talking about is perhaps a more insincere extreme version of what we're talking about. It says, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, Do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Spiritually, there is progression in all things. Sometimes people give to be seen of others, like it talks about in that scripture. In that instance, I would say that they have their reward, but I think that doing something out of obedience, out of love for God, even if it lacks cheerfulness, Is good. And actually, as I'm saying that, I'm even redefining the word cheerful in my in my own mind. You know how we differentiate in the gospel between happiness and joy? Joy is something deeper. Joy doesn't mean that we're we're laughing and having a great time all the all the time. 
but we have a deeper joy in Jesus Christ, I think the same thing can apply to cheerfulness. It doesn't mean that as we give, it's not hard sometimes, but I think we can have cheerfulness without necessarily that surface level version of the word. So like I was saying, doing something out of obedience, out of love for God, even if it lacks cheerfulness, is still a good thing. That is the celestial version of giving, of serving. And that's where we start out. What we are talking about here is celestial giving, giving cheerfully in obedience because of your love for God and man. And it's okay as we go throughout our life to work up to that. Now, back to giving without expectation. How much more does it mean to you when someone does something for you without any expectation because of no other motivation other than they wanted to serve you? You can feel that, right? I know that I can. I can feel when someone is so sincere and when someone just just loves me, when I can feel the Savior through them. I hope that you guys feel that from me. I know who some of you are that listen, but for the majority, for the most part, I don't. But I hope you believe me when I say that I do this podcast first and foremost, as I've talked about, it helps keep me on track. I am not the most organized person and doing this podcast, you and you listening is doing a service to me because it motivates me to stay on top of come follow me so that I know what I'm talking about when I talk to my family. But the other reason that I do it is because I love you guys. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are in the world or what your circumstance is. And actually, I worry sometimes that my circumstance is drastically different than some of you throughout the world. And so sometimes I worry that that I might feel disconnected from from your way of life and your experience here on the on the earth. But just know as I do this, I do this because I have love for you and because I want to be a cheerful giver for God, that I do this without any expectation. And that's that's when this is the best for me. When when I am doing it with a cheerful heart, because you know, there's been there have been times where my life's a little crazy and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't have time. But ultimately, this has been such a blessing and such a lesson in cheerful giving for me. And it has made the experience so sweet. And more than anything, it has given me the opportunity to experience loving people with more intensity than, than I feel like I did before. Loving people that I have never met. I pray for you guys. When I am, my husband and I, if we've, I haven't always been great at my own personal prayers, but we always in our marriage have been great about praying with each other before we go to bed. And I pray for you guys and I mean it when I do it. I know you guys know what that feels like to feel like you are doing something for someone because you love them, because you want to serve the Lord. But on the other side of things, as soon as you add expectation of earthly reward, the giver and the receiver have a much harder time feeling the Lord through that person's service. It doesn't mean that I don't still appreciate what they did, but it doesn't feel quite the same, you know? I try to think this sometimes about my calling. I think sometimes we can get stuck in the thought that people are requiring things of us and that it's okay if we grudgingly do our calling. And like I said before, I think it's okay sometimes if we're doing our calling just because we feel like we should or because we're trying to be obedient, but it doesn't mean we're happy about it. 
that is a level of obedience that I think is acceptable to the Lord as we progress. That is telestial obedience. But I actually feel somewhat uncomfortable when I hear people talk about doing things to try to avoid callings. And I especially feel uncomfortable when my mind kind of agrees where I'm like, I I kind of want to avoid a big calling because that means a lot more complicated things for my life. I think a lot of times it's just talk and that people actually are very willing and want to serve. But I think that we can change the way that we talk about callings. I think that we can view callings with a sense of gratitude. And that's not how I always do, but that's how I want to view the callings that I have within the church. Because if that's how I'm viewing them, I think that is me being a cheerful giver for the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't draw boundaries within our calling. That doesn't mean that we ignore our families in order to fulfill our callings. But how much are we missing out on if we don't at least try to view our callings with more gratitude, with more a feeling of honor that the Lord has asked us to do something in his, in his kingdom? Think how much more impactful and heart-changing it would be for us to serve our whole lives in, in different callings with that kind of point of view, with that kind of attitude, how much more it would change us and how much more it would affect the lives of the people that we're serving. Now, of course, callings can be extended all different directions in your life. It doesn't have to be an official calling within the church. You are called to be a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, wife, husband, aunt, cousin, etc. I know something that I can do better is to view my relationship with my family and not just my immediate family, with my extended family as well, as a calling from the Lord, a calling to serve them cheerfully. And just like with callings, that doesn't mean, again, that there aren't boundaries or interesting situations that need special treatment. But I believe that ultimately every family member has a role to play in their family's lives that involves service of some kind, that involves a role that Heavenly Father wants them to play in the lives of their family members. What is the first greatest commandment? To love God. The second greatest commandment? To love your neighbor as yourself. And it is by this love that the disciples of Jesus Christ show their loyalty and allegiance to him. King Benjamin in the Book of Mormon famously said, When ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. But because Heavenly Father knows us so well, he knows that we as mortal beings could use an extra motivator, which is why he repeats to us in Scripture that what we put into this world will come back to us. It might not always be in the way that we hope. It doesn't mean if we are serving diligently that our trials will disappear. But it is a true principle that Paul teaches us here. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. This promise in principle is reiterated in the Doctrine and Covenant section 6 verse 33. Fear not to do good, my sons, for whatsoever ye sow, that shall ye also reap. Therefore, if ye sow good, ye shall also reap good for your reward. In his talk, The Power of Spiritual Momentum in April 2022, President Nelson identifies spiritual momentum as one of the byproducts of obedience and service, which to me is what giving of ourselves is, obedience and service. Spiritual momentum is one of the best gifts that we can get and one of the best natural consequences of cheerfully giving. 
He said, We have never needed positive spiritual momentum more than we do now. To counteract the speed with which evil and the darker signs of the times are intensifying, Positive spiritual momentum will keep us moving forward amid the fear and uncertainty. Spiritual momentum can help us withstand the relentless, wicked attacks of the adversary and thwart his efforts to erode our personal spiritual foundation. I think of any of the blessings that we could think of. Spiritual momentum for sure is at the top of the list. Spiritual momentum is a blessing that extends into eternity and can ensure that our trajectory is headed toward the potential that our Father in Heaven knows we have. Spiritual momentum not only affects ourselves, but affects everyone who comes in contact with us, especially our families, who we are constantly praying for. One of the ways that we can be of most benefit to those that we care about is to ensure that our spiritual momentum is going in the right direction. I think As I think about being a cheerful giver to others, to my Father in heaven, that is what I will focus on and ask for, spiritual momentum. Elder Gong, in his talk entitled Ministering in April 2023, said, Our Savior is our perfect example. Because he is good, he can go about doing good. He blesses the one and the ninety-nine. He is ministering personified. We become more like Jesus Christ when we do unto the least of these, as we would do unto him, when we love our neighbor as ourselves, when we love one another as I have loved you, and when whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Jesus Christ ministers. Angels minister. Followers of Jesus Christ minister one to another. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Watch over and nourish the people with things pertaining to righteousness. Remember the poor and the needy, the sick and the afflicted. Let his name be known through our ministry. As we minister as he would, we witness his miracles, his blessings. We obtain a more excellent ministry. We may tire physically, but in his service we do not weary in well-doing. We diligently do our best. Do not run faster than we have strength, but trust, as the Apostle Paul teaches, that God loveth a cheerful giver. For God, who ministereth seed unto the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. In other words, God enriches everything to all bountifulness. They which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And now to end on the next words of Paul, the best blessing of all. Verse 34, therefore fear not, little flock, do good. Let earth and hell combine against you, for if ye are built upon my rock, they cannot prevail. Fear not, do good, and cheerfully give. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.